Father, we just thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you, Father. You're a good God. Your mercy endures forever. We pray, Father, that, Lord, even as we meditate upon your word this morning, we commit ourselves to your kind hands, all of us, all around the world. We commit ourselves to your hands. Father, unless you speak, unless you grant us revelation, unless you open our understanding, like the, like the way you open the understanding of your disciples at the breaking of bread, that you opened the understanding of your disciples when you went through the Psalms and the, and the prophets and the law. Father, I pray, Father, that Lord, you would open our understanding this morning. Father, we come to you, we humble ourselves before you and we acknowledge, Lord, that nothing that we have, all that we have, all the giftings and the, and the, and the intelligence or whatever you have given us, O oh Lord, and the training that you blessed us with, Lord, is nothing without your anointing, O oh Lord. Father, anoint us this morning. Grant us grace that we will understand your word. And we will understand your heart. Father, because Lord, your word says your words are spirit and life. I pray, Father, even as we take part of your word this morning, we will be taking part of your life. Your life will be eaten by us, not raw, not watered, but roasted in the fire of the Holy Spirit. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Therefore anoint us this morning, even the speaking and the hearing of this word. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's turn this morning to uh, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 24. And let's read from verses 3 to 5. Uh, is what we've been looking at. Uh, we'll just go there, read those verses and we will um, launch from there to the text, to our text this morning. It says, um, <clears throat> uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 to 5, will say, 3 to 5. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of uh, the age... Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Another translation we'll use, that is the ESV, we don't have to turn there, it says, Take heed that no one will lead you astray. And verse 5, For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many or will lead many astray. That is what he answered and said, This is primarily going to be the case in the last days. God will, I mean, uh, like Pastor was telling us, that it is those people who are in the church who are vulnerable to deception. It is those people who are walking in the way who would be led astray. People who are not in the way cannot be led astray. They are already out of the way. Okay. So, it is people who are standing will fall. Okay. It is people whose names are written in the book of life God says, I can 
strike your name out from the book of life. So, it is people who, who are within the church who have to be careful and who have to be prepared. And God is giving us these opportunities these days, uh, in these days to be able to uh, examine ourselves, study the word, meditate upon the word, receive the word by faith. And even as we take part of the word by faith, we will be filled with the spirit. And like uh, Ephesians will say, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. And how are you filled with the spirit? Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let the word of Christ, Colossians will say, be dwelling in you richly. How? Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Therefore, we are vulnerable to deception and therefore we need to strengthen ourselves. And that is what we are doing uh, in these days. so that we will not be led astray. So uh, turn with me this morning to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And we will read from verses 1 to 11. <clears throat> uh, actually 1 to 4 first. And then we will go uh, to the uh, next part of the verse, next part of the message. It says, now brothers concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him we ask you. So there is there are two things over here. There is a coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and there is a gathering of us together with him. You know some, some, uh, some theologians will say, you know there is two comings of the Lord where Jesus is coming first time for this church and second time he is coming along with his saints. Okay, so we are not going to get into those into those um, into those topics, but uh, but we are looking at something else today that is not uh, today's uh, teaching. Now, brother, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with Him to uh, to Him, we ask you. It says not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit. So you can be shaken by some spirit, or by word or some of the translations will use the word, by a spoken word, or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had already come. And the next verse, next two verses, verses uh, 3 and 4, let no one see, again what? Deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the son of man, son of, uh, and the man of uh, sin is revealed. Mm, uh, some other translations will use the word man of lawlessness is revealed. The son of perdition was for who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. We'll come to that later. So let's go to the first part of verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. Take heed that no one deceives you by any means. See, that's what uh, Jesus enjoined us and Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is writing to the Thessalonian church telling him, telling them that let no man lead you astray. Okay? So, uh, or deceive you. Deception is is, is in the heart, and what once the deception uh, sets in, oh, sorry, uh, deception sets in, you are led astray from the path. Okay, so like Pastor was saying, there, there is a straight and narrow path. You can go to this side or to that side, towards law or towards lasciviousness or license, licentiousness. One side is legalism, the other side is license to sin, and the straight and narrow path is walking by the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. And allowing the life of Christ to be made manifest in you. That is a gospel essentially. Alright, so don't be quickly shaken in mind. So let's t- turn to verse, verse, uh, verse uh, 2. 
<clears throat> he says, now brothers, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together, uh, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind. And he gives us how we can be shaken, how we could possibly be shaken. Three things he says, we could be shaken by a spirit. Second, he says, we could be shaken by a word or a spoken word. Third, it says we could be shaken by a letter, modern day, email or WhatsApp, whatever. As if it is from us. As though the coming of the Lord has already come. Now, of course, here in this context is basically the Solonian church thought, you know, the coming of the Lord has already happened. They were a prepared church. They were a prepared church. They were a good church. They were a, there was a, there was only one church where Paul has so many good things to say. Okay, so with the, they were a good church and they were troubled. I mean, the the picture is the troubled or shaken in mind, shaken in mind. The picture is that you know they're being tossed by, uh, like as if they, they were in a they were in a storm in a sea. That's the picture. So you could be troubled, you could be shaken in mind, or quickly shaken in mind by three things: by a spirit. By a spoken word. By a letter. So in order not to be shaken quickly, so the only way to counter deception is to have the strength of the mind. Right? Quickly shaken in mind. Okay? The word here, mind, is also rendered in some other places as understanding. Like it's in Luke's Gospel chapter 24. No, you don't have to turn there where uh, Jesus opens their understanding so that they can understand the scriptures. Okay. So don't be shaken in mind. Don't be shaken. Don't be shaken in your, in your thinking, in your understanding or be troubled. So how can you be troubled? You could be troubled by a spirit and therefore you have to test every spirit. In order to test every spirit, you should know, you should be filled with the spirit. And how do I know that I am filled with the spirit? We are just looking at the first part by spirit. How do I know that I am filled with the spirit? How do I know? Turn to, turn with me to John's gospel chapter 16 and from verses 11 onwards. John's gospel chapter 16, uh, verses, uh, 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 verse 10 onwards, sorry, 10 onwards, 10 onwards. Sorry, Sammy, 9 onwards. Apologies. Of sin, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the word of sin and not of righteousness and of judgment. And verse 9 will say, first thing, what will what will happen of sin because they do not believe in me. Of, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And then of judgment because the ruler of this world is already judged. And verse 12, look at what it says. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But, verse 13. However, when he, the who comes, the spirit of truth comes, truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, one thing. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears from me, he will speak, second thing. Third thing, he will tell you of things to come. So, so in order for us to be, not be shaken by spirit, we should have the infilling of the Holy Spirit so that we already know what are the things which are going to come. Okay, Like Pastor was saying, this is just the, the coming of the Lord is near, but this is not the coming of the Lord. This is only a, these are only signs, these are only labor pains. Okay, So, one of the ways that we can 
I mean, not one of the ways. The only way, rather, for a for a for a for a for a believer to counter the spirit of the age is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. No, we were filled with the Spirit one 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 time. But, but you know what Paul tells? He says, "Be continuously filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, in which is excess and debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit." And how are you going to be filling with your filling yourselves with the Spirit by by giving yourselves opportunities more and more, so that by the listening to the anointed, anointed word, Galatians chapter 3 now, please, verses 1 to 5. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Look at what it says. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit of, spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So how do you receive the spirit, Baba? By the hearing of faith. When you hear the word of God and you mix it with faith, there is a continuous outpouring of the Holy Spirit into your life. Okay. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If if indeed it was in vain, look at what. Therefore, Verse 5, beautiful. He who what? Supplies the Spirit to you. You see, there is a sub, continuous supply, su, uh, supply of the Spirit in our lives. No, think about it. No, If we know the tabernacle, the tabernacle had three parts. The three parts of the tabernacle was the outer courts, the holy place and the most holy place. And God says, in order to hear your voice, you have to first cross the outer courts. First, there's an altar over there, sacrifice on the altar, and there's a labor, wash yourselves, and this is how the priest enters. Not, not everybody. Okay. The priest, how does he enter into the, into the holy place? Uh, he first washes himself. Sorry, he offers a sacrifice through the blood, washes himself at the labor, goes into the holy place, and in the holy place there are three things. What do we have? We have the lampstand, you have the shubrat and you have the altar of incense. The altar of incense is absolutely close to the most holy place from which God speaks. And he says, the altar of incense has got seven lampstands, okay? The central lampstand and seven other, uh, uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, branches. And, and you have to continuously keep pouring oil into that lampstand so that there's continuous burning. The light should what? Never go out. You understand what I'm saying? The light should never go out in our life. And in order for, what is light? Essentially the word of God. What is, what, it's like the, it's like the, uh, the, the, the foolish virgins. Their lights were going out and they did not have what? Oil. Notwithstanding the fact that they were virgins, they separated themselves, but the one thing they did not do is that they did not constantly have a supply of oil in their lives. You see, lamps should never be put out. And how do you have your lamp not to be put out? There should be a continuous supply. He, therefore, he who supplies, Galatians chapter 3 verse 5, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of the faith? That, that, that hearing of faith, that means, that means there should be a constant hearing of the faith. That means there should be a person who's preaching the word of God. The anointed word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of not, uh, 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 okay, fine, word of God, hearing by the word of Christ, actually. 
Now, some of the translations. Christ means the anointed word, Christos, anointed word. Therefore, there should be somebody who is constantly pouring oil into your life. That is what we call as the preaching of the word of God. Jesus said, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preaching and teaching. Not discussion. Huh? No, 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 no. See, I'm not saying that discussions are not important. Discussions are important. But you know, how is the word manifest in our life? How is the revelation of the word of God takes take place in our life? Titus chapter 1. Verses 1 to 4, Sami. Titus chapter 1. Verse 1 to 4. Paul, a bond servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of truth, which accords with godliness. Loaded verse, to unpack it, it will take another several hours. But I'm not going to unpack that. Verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time, what? Manifested his word through preaching which was committed to me according to the commandment of God and Savior. It, it doesn't say manifested its word through discussions. I'm not saying we should not have discussions. Jesus also had discussions. He went to the temple. He heard first and then he asked questions. We, it's not that we should not ask questions. It's not that we should not discuss the word. Uh, but you know what? There is a manifestation of the word of God through preaching. You know, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and we were discussing about Martin Lloyd-Jones in the morning. Martin, Lloyd, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a book called Preaching and Preachers which I read through only half of it, his loaded book. And you know, in I think in one of his sermons also he mentions this. He says, in these last days, what has happened, he says, now he's talking during his time. Okay. That was in much, much before, I think 1980 was somewhere around 1980s he died. Okay. 1980s, 1990s, not, not very sure. You know what he says? Nowadays, he says that when he's observing his own church, he says, the the church at large during his time, he says, nowadays we have discussions, we have lectures, we don't have preaching. You know what preaching is? Preaching is a declaration. It is not, let us have a discussion. It is declaration. It's like one king has come, he has sent his angel to declare something. Suno, suno, suno. Gawalo. Vinandi, vinandi, vinandi. He's a herald who's proclaiming what the king has spoken. And it is not open to discussion. <laughs> okay. It's not an opinion. It's a truth that is being proclaimed. See, a lot of people want to want to have discussions. I'm not saying that we should not have discussions. We have discussions, don't we, children? Incredible discussions. Intense discussions. Oh, we have. I mean, sometimes when Pastor and I, when we discuss certain things, boy, we have real, real intense discussions. Different points of view. The point here is, we're not saying that. But you see, the manifestation of the work of God comes through what? Preaching. And what has happened in these last days, 
the living word is not being preached i mean you you have you have lesser and lesser and lesser time of time for preaching because they say you know the attention span of people is very less instagram says you can't can't upload videos more than 12 seconds i, I believe huh 20 seconds why because the attention span of a human being is 25 seconds or something like that they did did, did a recent survey 20 seconds a jada that is the generation that we are living but you know what something but you know people are searching you could be a very distracted generation but you know what i believe in i believe the word of god when proclaimed with authority can arrest the most distracted generation the problem is not the generation the problem is there is nobody on the other side who's absolutely serious about it and saying, Lord, grant us the grace so that, Lord, we will have the authority of the Holy, Holy Spirit over our, over our lives, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, so that we could arrest a distracted generation. Because why, why should we shorten God's hand? Because of our unbelief. Right? He did not, does it not say, Christ died for us, notwithstanding the fact that we were sinners, we were without strength. Without strength, we can't have, we don't have the ability to concentrate more for a long time. Without strength, without, when we were enemies, when we were sinners, when we were ungodly, Christ died for us. That means, he says, you know what? I have the ability to arrest you. The Holy Spirit has got the ability. Like yesterday, like Pastor was saying during the, in the prison, no? Paul and Silas were singing the whole prisoners, all the prisoners were listening Earthquake took place, chains fell off, fell off, but you know something, they could have run away, but they were all there. He says, we are all here. They were arrested by the presence of God and by the authority of the Holy Spirit. The problem is, do we have a set of people who are, who have the anointing and the authority and the unction of the Holy Spirit over their lives who can, who can arrest a whole, whole generation? That is the Elijah generation. If Yahweh is God, worship Him. If Baal is God, Worship him. And he says, Lord, do this, Lord, so that you can turn these hearts to yourselves. And they know what? He's able to arrest an entire generation which is getting distracted by multiple balls. Problem is, we do not have preaching. We have discussions. We have discussion groups. Sorry. It is primarily the preaching. Not discussing. Discussing. It is not uh, giving you what we call as a motivational speech or a lecture. Lectures are given in colleges, not in churches. Churches, what happen? Preaching happens. So how do you get the supply of the Holy Spirit? By subjecting yourself to anointed teaching. In other words, there should be somebody over your life who is constantly pouring oil into your life through preaching. Now think about it. Now think about it. I'm just thinking. I'm not interpreting about the parable of the of the foolish virgin and the wise and the foolish virgins. The virgins are there. Five wise, five foolish, five foolish. Uh, I mean, the five wise virgins had oil. The foolish virgins did not have oil. The bridegroom had come, and when they knew knew that the bride was bridegroom was coming, their lamps were getting dim. They were get, they were being put out. So they said, "Please give us some oil." They said, "We can't go and buy oil." Now think about it. The bridegroom comes, they get into, I mean, the the wise virgins are taken away. These fellows are going out 
to buy oil and somebody is still selling them. The question is, what kind of oil are they selling? Bridegroom, bridegroom has come, taken the church away, still oil is being sold. What oil is that? I don't know. It's open for interpretation. See, that is the reason why he says many Christs will come saying that we are the Christ. No, if you, if I come and say, you know what, I am Christ, you'll say, go and jump in the lake. It's not, it's not easy, so easy to fool people saying, I am Jesus Christ. Now, there was one guy on YouTube who went around saying that I am Jesus, I am Jesus. They said, come on. See, Christ ka matlab kya hai? The anointed one. Right? See, so that means what? People will say, we have the anointing. That's what they will say. We have the what? The anointing. And so what will happen? This lamps are being put out. These fellows have gone out to buy oil and there will be people with false anointing selling oil. I don't know what that, I'm, I'm just thinking about it. I, I could be wrong here. While the bridegroom has come, taken the wise versions away. The point is this, these fellows have gone, they've bought oil and come back, right? They've come back. In Matthew chapter 25. By the time they came back with new oil, whatever fresh oil, the bridegroom is already gone. So what oil did they get? This is a question that I want to ask myself. It's a very important question, my dear brothers and sisters. So my question to all of us, do we have the desire or is there somebody over our life who is constantly pouring oil into us? A priestly authority over our life who's constantly pouring oil over our life. Otherwise, we'll be soon shaken in the spirit because we don't have the Holy Spirit to withstand the other spirit. If you are filled with the spirit, you will not be drunk with wine. Drunk with wine, matlab, other spirit. Like, that is also called spirit. After, like pastor said, no, after you distill the whole thing, after... The distilled thing is a spirit. <laughs> what spirit? It will make you tally. Okay. False spirit. You are not sober anymore. But what does the Holy Spirit give you? It gives you sobriety. 1 John chapter 2 verse 27. 1 John chapter 2 verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone should teach you but the same anointing just teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught in you, you will also abide in him. You see that? Anointing. The anointing. We need that anointing. A continuous supply of that. So that we can, we can, we can, will not be shaken quickly in mind by spirit. By another spirit. So, how, how do we know what is the right spirit? So, let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. <coughs> and verses 1 to 4. Sammy, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Beloved, be not 
every spirit. But test the spirits. Whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. In other words, you want to know whether that fellow has a Spirit of God in him or not, the true anointing in him or not. How do you know whether he's got the anointing in him or not? This way, this is how you know. Every spirit, with a small s, that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. First thing. Okay. Every spirit that comes, that, uh, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Second, the next verse. And every writ that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Quotation we are talking about, no? In, 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 in the first, uh, second Thessalonians. Which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Meaning, before the ultimate Antichrist comes, there is a spirit of the Antichrist which is, which is released in the world and which is already working in people, preparing their hearts for the coming of the ultimate Antichrist, the anti-anointing. Christ means anointing. Anti, this is com- com- completely contrary to uh, to the, the the original Messiah means the anointed one, right? Anti Messiah is anti anointed one. Now, it's, I find it very interesting. I'm not making any doctrine out of it. He, he talks about Satan in Ezekiel chapter 28. Don't have to turn there. He says, "You anointed cherub. Every other cherub we don't know because there were cherubim which were covering. Uh, Michael was one of the one of the archangels, or we don't know cherubim, cherubim or seraphim were covering. Cherubim are there." So many cherubim are possibly mentioned in the Bible, but there is only one cherubim which is also called the anointed cherubim. That means he also has an anointing. The false anointing. Antichrist. Which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and has overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In other words, what the spirit of the Antichrist is the spirit of the world. And you should have sufficient, what do you say, a deposit for the Spirit of God. He's called the earnest of our inheritance, right? Just a small deposit. But that deposit keeps increasing. If God has deposited, it means what? It should collect? Ah, interest. Okay. And that means we have to be constantly having more and more and more and more of the Holy Spirit so that we'll have sufficient amount, deposit of the Holy Spirit so that we can know what is the spirit of the Antichrist and what is the spirit of the, of, of, of God. He says, what, how, what does the spirit of, uh, uh, spirit of God confess? It says that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Why is that important? Why is that important? Turn with me now to before, okay, before we go there, he says, any spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is what? The Antichrist. Why is this important? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. First. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. And verse 16, 
without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, in this particular chapter in Second Thessalonians, we'll also talk about the mystery of lawlessness. Yeah. You know, here he's talking the mystery of godliness. Now, the how does the mystery of godliness start? God was manifested in the it starts there. Who was manifested in the flesh? God was manifested in the flesh. The mystery of God, godliness starts with this confession that God was manifested in the flesh. And what is being made, being manifested in the flesh? Why is that important? What kind of flesh? What kind of flesh? Romans chapter 8, verses 1, 2 and 3. Okay, one, one onwards, let's read, okay? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made, set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and on account of sin. Who sin? Our sin. He condemned our sin in his flesh, in the flesh, that is his flesh. So that was for, so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, verse 3 is a fantastic statement. He says that the righteous, that God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, because the law could not achieve it. In the likeness of sinful flesh, meaning Jesus had a, a kind of flesh which was vulnerable to temptation. Okay. Oh, he was Jesus. He could do whatever. I mean, he, that is the reason why he did not sin. He came in a flesh which was not just not only vulnerable to temptation, it was also vulnerable to all kinds of sufferings. See, ultimately he was beaten and broken, right? That, that flesh could be, he could suffer. Something which could suffer. And suffering came because of sin. And he suffered in that flesh. That, that was sinful flesh. Likeness of sinful flesh. Now what does that mean? That means Jesus had the capacity to be tempted. And therefore it says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. Let us therefore come 415. 15. 15. 415. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses because we have weak sinful flesh which is weakness. Okay, Actually, 2 Corinthians in the last chapter will say uh, he was crucified in weakness. Okay, so You don't have to turn there. Okay. Who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted as we are and yet without sin. That is the point here. That means he had the capacity to be tempted and yet he did not sin. Therefore, he was, he became a type of a person of the overcomer. He was telling us, you know something? I came in this flesh and I was born of the Holy Spirit. And if you are born of the Holy Spirit, just I was, just as I was tempted in all points and I did not sin, you also have the capacity to be tempted in all points and also not sin. And therefore, what does the Spirit of God say? 
Anybody who has a spirit of God in him will tell you, you know something, brother, Jesus also came in the flesh, but he overcame sin. And therefore you also, brother, if you have the indwelling of the spirit of God, you can also what? Overcome sin. But what does the spirit of Antichrist say? No, 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 Jesus did not come in the flesh. And therefore, you cannot overcome. Our God understands. Like Pastor was talking about yesterday. Or you need to work, do works to find salvation. Are you so foolish? That's what he tells the Galatian church. He says, are you so foolish that you have become, you have started in the spirit and you want to be made perfect in the what? In the flesh. Who has bewitched you? Okay. So, another place. Look at it. Look at another place. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, you see that? <laughs> Very clear, no? Who, who is this? Jesus himself, or the priest of the order of Melchizedek. When in the days of his flesh, he, when he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death. What death? We know it. They were, they, he, was, he was not talking about the death on the cross. He was, a, he was talking about the death because of sin. And he was telling, God, I'm in this flesh, Lord. I'm surrounded with all kinds of temptations around. I need you, Father. I need you, Father. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to have the fear of God in my in my heart so that I will not sin against you. And if I sin against you, the whole mankind is gone because there will not be any redemption for their sin anymore. I should be the blemishless, spotless, spotless ram. You know, uh, whenever you offer a sacrifice, if you look at the entire Leviticus, you have to offer a lamb or a bull without... You know what the Telugu rendering for it is? Of you have to offer nirdoshamaina jantu. Without blemish, under you, you should not have any kind of a disease. But in Telugu, nirdosham means you should not have any sin. Dosham. And God had to be Jesus had to be that kind of a sacrifice without any blemish in his character. And therefore, he said, Lord. In the days of his flesh, he used to cry out saying, Lord, just keep me humble, keep me humble. I should not get puffed up with pride. I, because he was fighting a different kind of a battle altogether. His temptation, he had incredible power and he has to restrain himself and not use his power. His battle was at a different level, PhD level battle. Our LKG nursery level battle. He had a different level of battle. And he said, Lord, Lord, I should not sin, I should not sin. And he overcame, not because in his own strength, because he depended upon the strength which comes from above. And therefore he suffered in his flesh. What is suffering? Denying. Suffering matlab, don't allow. Or allow not to sin, uh, not to, uh, not to sin. Allow yourself not to sin. That is what suffering is. Allowing yourself not to deny God. This suffering. Suffer, that's how it is, no? The original translation means suffer means, he suffered means he allowed. Suffering means allowing not to deny God. Negative, negative. See that? He suffered. How He suffered. And because he did that, and he, he 
he showed us this trajectory, what should you and I have? You should not be soon shaken in mind by the spirit. So what kind of a mind should we have? I'll tell you what kind of a mind. First Peter chapter 4. Verse 1 to 4. Look at this. This is beautiful. Everybody, let's read it together. We have only a few people over here. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us, where? In the flesh. How did he suffer? By arming himself with a mind. He had a mind so strong which could not be shaken. So he says, arm yourselves with the same mind. You know what ESV says? Arm yourselves with the same pattern of thinking. For who he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Ultimately, suffering in the flesh is to cease from sinning. And he says, you have not suffered till the point of bloodshed, it says in Hebrews. But look unto the author and the finisher of your faith. Looking unto Jesus. Look unto him. He is the one who suffered the ultimate. He never sinned. And he is our example. And that is the reason why we have very few people who have the authority in their lives to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Because Paul also had this mindset. A mindset to suffer. To suffer in the flesh. So let's see. In the, in the flesh, whoever suffered in, who has uh, suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so that he no longer lives the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So ultimately what, what, what happens for we have spent enough time. You don't have to turn there. Okay. Verses one and two. But no longer should live the rest of his life, the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. This is what, what, what it means to, to have the, f- uh, to to acknowledge the fact that Jesus came, came, Christ came in the flesh. And if he has come in the flesh, and he has overcome sin, we can also be in the flesh and still overcome sin. In the flesh meaning in this body of sin. And still overcome. We can overcome all fleshly lusts by the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus overcame. It, we can, we can, and we have to believe that. And we have to constantly be encouraged in that in that, in the direction, in that direction. For example, how do we do this? You know, you need practical examples, no? First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 to 25. <clears throat> you know, uh, in the entire epistle of Peter, the thesis is how to suffer successfully. That is essentially the thesis of the epistle of Peter, both the first and the second. Having escaped the corruption in the world through lusts, right? We have exceedingly great and precious promises so that we can be made partakers of the divine nature, etc. etc. We'll, we'll study that. So the, the entire epistle of Peter has, you know what? This is the thesis. How to suffer successfully and overcome sin. And not become partakers of this world. Beloved, I beseech you as sojourners and Pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. How do we abstain? Look at what it says. One, one example. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. Okay? But also to the harsh. 
You know, how do we have the strength of man? How can we not quickly be shaken in the mind? I'm, t- I'm telling you. How, this is, these are all essentially the practical things that we need to do so that we have a strength of character, which is of the mind, that we will not be soon shaken. Do we want stable minds? You know what? Why is the headship given to the, uh, to the men? I mean, it's not just, I mean, I'm just giving you that as an example. Men should be heads. That means what? You should be people who are stable in your thinking. You cannot be easily moved. Once you set your course in one particular direction, nothing should change you. Okay. Set like a flint. Okay. You are not easily shaken. Okay. Anyway, servants be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if for, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. You see that suffering there? For what credit it is when you are beaten for your faults and you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Look at this, verse 21. Because for to this you were God. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving as an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Now look at here, he gives you specifics as to how Christ suffered. Look at what it says, verse 22. Who committed no sin? He was in the flesh and committed no sin. Nor was what found in his mouth? Deceit found in his mouth. Boy! Guile found in his mouth. No deceit found in his mouth. No guile was found in his mouth. He did not sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. That means there was never a point that he said or did something to attract attention or to deceive people. In fact, he told the disciples very clearly, I am not going to deceive you to become a disciple. No, I will tell you clearly what it what it takes to become a disciple. If you want to, if anyone desires to come after me, he has to deny himself, pick up the cross daily and follow me for what profit it is if a man gains the whole world and he loses his own soul, for what can you give in exchange for your own soul, etc., etc. And if you love father and mother more than me, you cannot be my disciple. And if one puts his hand on the plow and turns back, not fit to be disciple. He gave us clear instructions as to how to be a disciple. And he never deceived us. He deceived others. But he never deceived us. And what is a lamb? It says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. And these are, those 144,000 people in Revelation says, who are clothed with white garments and what was not found in their mouth? No deceit was found in the mouth. The lamp is also, the, the bride also should be a pe- set of people who have no deceit in their mouth. First, they did not come, he did not commit sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Second, third thing, he says when he was reviled, did not revile in return. That means he never gave dishum dishum. No. He was firm, but he would never retaliate. See the ultimate retaliation he could have said. You know what he, is was is what is when uh, uh, is when uh, those people come right, and uh, they come and say, uh, "Who is uh, who? Whom are, who, uh, who we, we, whom, whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth." And he says, "I am." The moment he says, "I am," everybody boom she falls falls down. That means what happens is that he just at that moment a small crevice is made in his flesh. And a little, little bit of glory emanates from that tree wise, and they see the glory and they fall flat. And then later on, he covers himself. Whom are you looking for? 
Jesus of Nazareth. Take me. Leave them alone. Peter, put your sword back. If I ask my father, will he not send a legion of angels to save me? Is your king, are you a king? My kingdom is not of this world. Should I not drink the cup that father has given me? Never reviled. When he suffered, he did not threaten. You know, we don't threaten, but we'll be looking for opportunities as to how to make people fall. How should I give back this fellow? And then he says, but he committed himself to the one who judges righteously, constantly. Can you just turn that verse for in ESV, please? Verse 23, and in ESV, 223 in ESV. Just 223 in ESV. I want you to look at the beautiful rendering of ESV. He was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges or vindicates justly. You see, one of the ways we retaliate is by justifying ourselves. People point fingers at us. We do not want to be misunderstood by people. I told you so many times, right? Can you take the risk of being misunderstood? Constant this, 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 the, you know, when we, we know we are in the flesh when we want, we constantly want to justify ourselves. And one of the things you need to understand, you cannot, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every lying tongue that is spoken against you, in judgment you shall condemn. For this is your heritage as the servants of the Lord. Why? Because our vindication is from Him. Okay. We, we want to be vindicated by... See, we have only two ways to vindicate to, for, for vindication. Either God vindicates us or justifies us or you justify yourself. So, justifying yourself is called dignity. Or you want to be dignified. If you want God to justify you, that is justification by faith alone. That was the, that was the, what we call as the Nara of the, of, 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 uh, of the Reformation. Of Martin Luther. Justification by faith alone apart from the works of the law. Alone was added. <laughs> A man is justified by faith, uh, works, by faith and not by works. Not by works means not trying anything to prove to others and to yourself and to God that you are very good. No. This constant desire to vindicate yourself. That's exactly, that's what he fought every time, right? John's Gospel chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. After this, Jesus went about Galilee. He would, verses one, 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 one onward, Sammy, okay? He would not go about Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, Jews' feast of booths or Sukkoth or tabernacles was at hand. Next verse. His brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea. 
that your disciples may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Means vindicate yourself. And we constantly confess Psalm 91. He who dwells in the ah secret place. Mount, what is secret place? It is the place where God alone sees. Where God, you are only interested in the opinion of God and not any other public opinion. That is of absolute safety. You know that? A secret place? The pastor was saying, can you give in secret? Can you pray in secret? Can you fast in secret? And that is a secret place where you are only interested in justification by God and not by anybody. And Jesus says he continued what? Entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. That is suffering in the flesh. Because flesh wants to justify every day. And he says, Jesus came in the flesh and he always resisted the temptation to justify himself. Even on the cross. If you are the son of man, come down and we will believe. Can you imagine? You want me to show you? Ultimate, ultimate suffering. So, Jesus came and suffered in the flesh. That is exactly what he's telling all of us also. Don't try to vindicate yourself. When people point fingers at you, the temptation is to vindicate yourself. Leave the vindication to God. Especially in your company. For all of those who work in companies, of course, now, I don't know whether you have company. You have left your company and you are in the company of God's saints, hopefully. And in this company, we don't care which what your background is. We only care as if you are a child of God or not. That's all. That's the qualification. We don't look at your color. That's what James says, right? Turn to James. Chapter 2. This is what we call as respecter of persons. Verse 1 to 5. 1 to 4, sorry. My brother, my brother, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should, in other words, and gold rings and fine apparel. Nowadays, of course, we we can give several connotations to that. With a degree from IIT or from MIT or from Harvard or IAS officer, IPS officer, and you give make him a elder. Why? Because. That is what giving the best, best seat in your, in your congregation doesn't mean that you'll empty the congregation and say, brother, you come and sit here. No. What is, we have committees. Oh, what is your, give me your resume. It's like, you know, send me your resume and I will shortlist you for, uh, for eldership position. Shortlisting for eldership position has got different connotations at all, uh, completely in the Bible. To become a busboy, you know what a busboy is, no? Busboy means the one who cleans and washes tables. Watches tables. To be a watcher at the table 
You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. That was a qualification in the church. How we have lowered the standards, my dear brothers and sisters. By justifying people who have no qualification at all to become elders in the church. Lower the standards. Incredible. How we respect people, right? Also, we need to respect men of God. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we should. We are looking down upon people who are successful in the world. I'm not saying that. That is not the qualification. The qualification is whether you love God or not love God. That's all we, knew, we, we want. Let's let's go before uh, John's Gospel, uh, James. For if there should be, there should come into your assembly a man with MIT, Harvard, and other degrees, and there come a poor man in filthy clothes. Meaning, filthy clothes means that he has he has very simple outwear. See, apparel that doesn't just necessarily mean outward apparel. Something that you put on, we put on attitude. No, attitude, Renare. Francis Bacon said, apparel proclaimeth the man. What kind of apparel? He doesn't mean that you should put filthy clothes when you come to church. You should dress decently. What? Maybe that's a background, filthy clothes. And you, and you pay attention to the one who's wearing fine clothes and you say to the one, uh, you sit here and become the elder of our church or become the treasurer of our church and say to the poor man, Array, Sit here at my footstool, meaning you are not fit to be anything in our congregation. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves? And what? And become what? Judges with evil thoughts. Forgot about justification by faith completely now. God is no respecter of persons. God shows no partiality. means you could be a Jew or you could be a gentle. Everybody has only one way. Justification by faith alone. Meaning everyone who believes that he has to be justified by God alone is my brother. So that's a spirit. That's a spirit of Christ. If any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. <laughs> it says in Romans chapter 8. Spirit of Christ. Sure, I'll show you. Turn, 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 turn to uh, Romans chapter 8. Show you a few verses. And verse, uh, verse 9 and 10. Actually, but you are not in the flesh, but in the but in the spirit. If if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, none of you now. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him, or he is not his. This word spirit of Christ occurs only another time in the Bible. You know where it where else it occurs? First Peter chapter one. And was. <clears throat> Verse 10 and 11. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully and who prophesied of the grace that would come. Searching what or what manner of time this, what? The spirit of Christ who was in them was indicated when he testified beforehand the 
Sufferings of Christ. Where, where do you suffer? You don't suffer in the spirit. You suffer where? In the flesh. Suffering of Sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. The glories that we should follow. That is the spirit. So if you don't have this spirit, you'll be soon shaken in your mind. So do we have it? Are you easily shaken? When people call you false, when people accuse you falsely and slander your name, do you say, rejoice and be extremely glad? Are you rejoicing? Matthew chapter 5. And verse 11 and 12, actually 10 to 12, 10 to 12 of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you. How? Falsely for my name's sake. What should you do? Rejoice! I mean, it's amazing. This is what we call as Christian hedonism. Okay. Extreme poverty, great joy. Extreme slander, fantastic rejoicing. Kya baat hai? My God, that is the reason why you have to suffer in the flesh. Right? That is what suffering in the flesh means. You have this temptation to go all out and go to the law and say, you know, and, and into the, what is that? What do you call it, bro? Parvunashtandavan emantaru? Ah, defamation. <laughs> he has defamed my name. Case for defamation. In US and all, you can sue millions of dollars if your name gets defamed. Can you imagine how much we owe God? How much we owe God? We have defamed Him. And we called Him evil and we crucified Him. You know, it's very interesting, right? It says, you should not bear false witness against anybody. Deuteronomy. No, you don't have to turn there. You don't have to turn there. Wait. Okay. I'm just quoting because we don't have time. Okay. So, you should not bear false witness against anybody. Unless you have at least two or three witnesses, you have to not accuse any 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 brother. Okay? Or any sister or any elder for that matter. Two or three witnesses not there. Okay? You accuse. But if you if the fellow false witness has found out to be a liar, what he thought that he should do to this guy should be done to him. That's what, that's what the law says. What does the law say? The law says if the false witness, he bore false witness because he wanted to kill this fellow and he hated him and he wanted to kill him. Now if he has, if people have realized that the judges have realized that this false witness wanted to do to this guy should be done to him. That means if he wanted to kill him, we should what do, do what? No, when Jesus, when, when the, the kangaroo court came, they, they also, so, so many false witnesses arose. Right? Right? For, against Jesus, right? So many false witnesses arose against Jesus and what happened? Their witnesses could not agree. Ultimate crucified. Now, if God were to judge him by the law, what they wanted to do to Jesus, Jesus should have done to them. Can you imagine how much he suffered? How much he suffered? Isn't it amazing? 
how much we owe God. If one person says something against us, we we just roll up our sleeves and say, we'll take him to court. And that is the reason why Paul says, why brother taking brother to court, why don't just be defrauded? Allow yourself to be defrauded. You have to have a mind of mind for suffering. That is what we call as a set of suffering. Do we have it? Otherwise we'll be what? Shaken. So don't be shaken by spirit. Second, don't be shaken by what word? Spoken word. Spoken word. Test whether whatever you hear is truth or not. Or is the gospel or not. Like today in the morning, we were listening to Leonard Ravenhill. Just a snippet of Leonard Ravenhill. You know what he says? There are not four gospels. It is one gospel rendered by four people. Like that. It is one gospel rendered by four people. It is the gospel according to Matthew. It is the gospel to Mark. It is the gospel according to Luke. It is the gospel according to John. And he made a very interesting, uh, uh, what do you say, division. He says, he, he says, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke uh, were kind of the the outer courts. John, gospel according to John from verse uh, chapters one to sixteen is like the holy place, and John seventeen seventeen is the most holy place. Wow, what a so gospel according to uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, you know, is calling all people from the outer courts into the. Into the tabernacle. Gospel according to John is taking people into the holy place and then into the... I thought it was an interesting, interesting learning. We want to listen to that after this, after this sermon. Okay. So, it is not just four gospels. It is one gospel rendered by four people. There is only one gospel. Galatians chapter 1 verses 4 onwards. Uh, actually, uh, uh, verses 5 onwards, bro. 5? 6 onwards? Yeah, 5 onwards. 6 onwards. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 onwards. I marvel that you are so quickly turning away. Actually, uh, your translation will say, ESV will say, deserting him. You are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which is... Not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you other than what we have preached. Let him be accursed. What is a true gospel, Baba? What is a true gospel? The gospel is the salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is a what of God? The power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness which is by faith from first to last. That means any other gospel which does not edify you and builds you up in the faith. But signifies works. Is what? False gospel. So the question is, 
Do we know what is the true gospel and what is not, not the false gospel? First Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses one to three. Actually, two to three. Two to three is enough. <coughs> Two onwards, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 onwards. For I am jealous with you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest someone, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity in Christ. Next verse. For if he comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, a different spirit, which you have not received, and a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Do we put up? Do we know? I mean, how do we know which is a true gospel and which is a false false gospel? False gospel, we know the false gospel by knowing the true. That's what we know. That is the reason why we give ourselves constantly to the study of the word, for the ministry of the word and of to prayer. More and more. It is not reading the word. It is the meditation of the word. Blessed is a man that a lot of people say, no, I don't have time. I don't have time to spend time in the word. I don't have time to read the word. Do three things and you will have time. Blessed is a man that Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor stands in the sway of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Three things you put away. Waste. A lot of time waste. Especially during this time. Sitting and watching YouTube and jamming our channel is very bad. Please. Too much of load on YouTube. You know why? Sitting in the seat of scornful. And his delight is in the what of the Lord? In the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate, not read. Meditate day and night. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of Two, two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse seven. Consider what I say. Can you put the ESV? ESV. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. When will you get understanding? When I think. When you are not meditating, will you get understanding? A lot of mothers will say, I don't have time. Make time. How do you have time? By making time. See what we can put away so that we can make time for God. This is the acceptable time. Psalm 32. Let's read from verse 1. Enjoy that psalm. We have multiple uh, ultimate uh, GB of streaming here and all of you are, <laughs> are free anyway. 
Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord does not count iniquity and in whose spirit is no guile. Next verse. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up by the heat of Samasela. I acknowledged my sin and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgive the iniquity of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone, verse 6, who is godly, offer a prayer to you at a time when he may be found. Look at this. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach you. You want, there's a plague going on. All this around the world and now there's incubations period and Dr. Richard, I just consulted with him whether the WhatsApp message that I got was uh, serious indeed or not. The incubation period for the coronavirus in India has is over. That means the cases will increase or decrease depending upon how it has been transmitted. Now, you don't want that to happen to you? Surely. That one should not come to you. What should you Everyone who is godly, offer a prayer means what? Seek him when he can be found. Seek the Lord when he can be found. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Sorry. Second, sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to see, like I'm working together, I'm working with together with Pastor James, okay? Working together with him, with oh, both of us working together with God, okay? Christ Jesus. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain for he says what? In a favorable time, I listen to you and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. Therefore, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Give yourself time. Meditate upon the word of God. And this is the time that you can do a lot of studying, lot of reading, and lot of meditation. I think this is God-given time. I, I remember in my own life, you see, this is only everybody has to go through the wilderness experience. If there was a time in my life, God, shut down every door and all I had was one KJV Bible. It's there in the other room. My first KJV Bible. Read from cover to cover. Six months. Why? I'll tell you why. Because God shut every other door. (laughs) If there was any other door, I would have also said, Lord, no time. I have to do research. Spend time, meditate upon his word. Otherwise, you know what? How do you know the original? I mean, so how do you know those false? By knowing the original. You see, you will not be able to understand unless and until you know the original. It's like this, you know, if you go to any class, any lecture, if you want to understand the fifth lecture, you should not enter into the course at the fifth lecture. Everything will be bouncer. Why? You did not enter, enter, come to the first lecture. That's the reason why it says, be careful as to how you hear. For whom much, to whom, do, who has much more will be given. 
In other words, that means if you if you have understood lecture number one and lecture number two and you have done the assignments and you have done the uh, done the homeworks and the quiz, by the time you come to lecture number three, you are set. Otherwise, you will drop the course. But unfortunately, in this you cannot drop. This is not drop. Full rummy, no. <laughs> Full count. <laughs> <laughs> See? Okay, know the original. Third, don't be troubled by letter. If you have the spirit and if you have the gospel, you will not be troubled by letter. One email people will read, they'll go crazy only. So many emails are going on. So many WhatsApp forwards are going on. Designed to lead you astray and to shake you and trouble you. Be careful. So, you looked at the first verse today. Let's go move on. You have time, right? You have time, son? You have time, right? Let's go back to Second Thessalonians now. Chapter 2, verse 3. How do we recognize? What are the attitudes we should have in order for us to be prepared for the Lord's coming and not to be deceived, okay? Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless what comes first? Falling away. Comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The son of perdition. First, what should come? What should come first? Falling away. I told you, you know, to fall you have to stand. What does falling away mean? Falling away means, the word falling away comes from the Greek word apostasy. Which means divorce. Okay, how does it come? Falling away means what? Divorcing God. Being unfaithful to the covenant. See, that's the reason why he says in Matthew chapter 19. Go there please. Matthew chapter 19. It's a powerful verse in Matthew chapter 19. <clears throat> and verse... Verse 3. The Pharisees came to him and asked and tested him. What did they say? Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And then, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. This is a mystery of marriage. And Paul says, in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Great is the mystery of marriage, but I'm, I'm talking about Christ concerning his church. Okay. And they shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined, let no one separate. And then, they said to him, why then did Moses command one, one to give a certificate of divorce and send her heavy? And he said, because of the... So you know what? How do I know that I'm falling away? If my Heart is getting hardened. 
It's not getting softer every day. In other words, my, my heart is becoming more and more and more tender and tender and tender to the convictions of the Holy Spirit. For example, let's say in 2019, a small lie would convict you. And you would cry and repent. In 2020, if a small thought convicts you and you cry and repent, you know what has happened to you? You have become soft. You see, hardness does not happen in a day. It's a series of choices you make over a period of time. Series of choices. Think about it. The sins that you committed a few years back, and if you just by thinking of it, you would cry. And now you are no longer bothered about them. That's exactly what has happened with David. He went to Saul, and he cut off his edge of his garment. Edge of his garment. And he came back to his cave. And what happened? His heart pricked him. And he wept. And he cried. And he said, how could I touch the Lord's anointed? Fast forward. His best friend. He takes the person who was most one of the most loyal people he would have, one of the mighty men. He was called the one of the mighty men of mighty men of David. Loyal fellow who followed him, who learned about God from him, who was a Hittite, who was a Gentile, who became a believer, and who clung to David. Takes his wife, realizes that he has caught a pregnant. Calls him. Deceives him. Finally murders him. See? What has happened to you? Heart has become harder? Or tender? Small thought convicts you. Small thought. See, you don't become a son of perdition in a day. Falling away doesn't happen in a day. Divorce doesn't happen in a day. Series of choices that you make and slowly the relation gets, relationship gets, you know, you're getting more and more apart from each other and each other and each other and a point comes when you can't speak to each other and then darare ho gaye beech mein kya hai abhi darar hai diwar hai walls it's very difficult for you to be broken into what sense it anymore to sin 
one look from Jesus. And Peter wept. Pah! That is the reason why blessed are those who mourn. Now ask ourselves this question, my dear brothers and sisters. Sins that we committed sometime, I mean, things that we did a few years back and would convict us, now the same things we do and we don't get convicted anymore. We say, oh, it's okay. God understands. His heart is getting hardened. That is the reason why Hebrews will say, we should give careful attention to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. Slowly. Slowly. You don't become a son of perdition in a day. A drawing backs. The, now Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 and 39. Look at what it says. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. And if anyone, what? Draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. What is he saying? Drawing back. You know, draw slowly back. Slowly, 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 slowly. And you get... It means smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, small, 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 small sins. It's called what we call as sigma sins. I'll tell you something. How did how did David commit... Um, Uh, adultery with Bathsheba, one woman here, another woman there, another woman here, another woman there, now he had a summation of total woman. Sigma woman. <laughs> you know, Richard Wimbrand gives a fantastic example. <clears throat> he says, I think I mentioned this sometime back, uh, he says the, uh, a priest had two people who came to his uh, his confession box. Now confession box are gone, thanks to Corona. But anyway, this is when there was no Corona. Okay, so <laughs> uh, so confession box me uh, one one lady came and another lady came. That one lady was uh, telling the uh, what is that? Uh, the priest, I've done such a big sin. I'm getting convicted. Please, it's like a heavy burden on me. Will the Lord forgive me? Okay, another woman also came. Her confession was not very big. But he, the priest knew that this woman was a very, very bad gossip monger. She would come and she said, I, I did some small... She didn't feel the heaviness of her conviction. There was no heaviness of conviction. So what you know what he did? He took these two girls, to these two women to a large field. Okay. And she told, he told, he looked at the first woman who said, you know, she was under tremendous conviction. He looked at her and he said, okay, fine, take a heavy stone. Hold it like this. In your hand. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, Go go into the field. Sorry, I'm just remembering. Go into the field and get the biggest stone. Okay? Biggest, heaviest stone. Go into the field and get the biggest and heaviest stone. So this guy goes, she, she goes, gets biggest and heaviest stone and she comes to the priest. Okay? So, he says, uh, the big stone, he tells the first, first, go and get the biggest stone that you find in this field. So she comes and gets the biggest stone. Alright? And he says, now take this stone. And put it back 
from the place that you've got it. Okay. So he, she takes a stone and she puts it back at that place. He says, no, you have, God has forgiven you. The Lord is gone. Doesn't matter how big your stone is. Once you have come and accepted and you have confessed your sin and God has put away your sin. And the other lady, he said, you do one thing. Collect all, at least a bunch of hundred stones from different, different places in the field. Bunch of hundred stones, small, small stones, you get it. So she went, she, she bought all these pebbles, okay, in a, in her, in a nice, in her whatever, the apron, no, that you have the apron, and she put it, all her stones in the apron, and she came to the priest. Now he told this lady, oh, take these stones and put them back in the places where you got them from. <laughs> she said, shock. You know what she said? What he said? You think you committed small, 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 small sins. And this lady, she actually did a very small thing, but she had the conviction in her heart, very, very, very strong conviction in her heart. But you, small sin here, one gossip there, one slander there, one lie here, small, 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 small things accumulated over a period of time. Which is easier? Answer, the first one or the second one? That is how hardness happens. You lose conviction. Small things. Small things. Harden. That's exactly what happened to Judas. How did Judas become the son of perdition, Baba? John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 12. While I was with them in your, in the world, I kept them in your name. Those who have, you gave me, I have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. How did he become the son of perdition? John's gospel chapter 12 verse 4. Actually it was 3 and 4. Mary took a pound of very oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance oil but one of his disciples Judas Iscariot Simon's son said who would betray it why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 dinari and given to the poor next verse this he said not that he cared for the poor but because he was a thief had the money box and he used to <laughs> take what was Put in it, you know, in NIV it's very interesting. He used to help himself. <laughs> you see the same? He used to help himself. Five rupees here, ten rupees there, hundred rupees here, there, there, there. Never settling accounts. Monday went away from the presence of God. It's small, small things. That is the reason why it's not the big things. It's a small, small things. Who's faithful in little is also faithful in much. Otherwise, your heart will get hardened. Second way the heart will get hardened is through what we call as offense. Why? How will you draw back? Because of offense. John's Gospel, chapter six, verse sixty to sixty-six. 
looked at it so many, but we are looking at it again. 60 to 66. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Next verse. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And then, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, who they were who would betray him. And then verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples drew back and walked no more with him. Offense. Offended, offended, and you carry huge offense. Sorry. That is the reason why you need to keep short accounts with God and short accounts with Let not the sun go down in your anger. Okay. Let not the sun go down in your anger. Keep short accounts with God. Otherwise, you'll just follow him. Apostasize. The more, the more you go away from God, the more lawless you will become. The more you go away from God, what will happen? The more lawless you will become. Joshua chapter 22. Verses 7 onwards. <clears throat> now, the, now to the half the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a position in Bashan. But to the other half tribe, of uh, half of it, Joshua gave position among their brothers. This sort of Jordan. And indeed, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them. And spoke to them saying, Return with riches to your tents, with very much livestock, with silver, gold, with bronze, with iron, and very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. So the children of Reuben the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to, the, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And when they came to the region of Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh, what did they do? Built an altar there by the Jordan and a great and impressive altar. Something interesting happens. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold the children of Reuben, the children of God and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of Jordan on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. Then the children of Israel sent. Phineas comes again into the picture. Okay, one of my favorite characters. Okay, this guy is, maybe you should write a book. <laughs> the children of Phineas, oh sorry, children of Israel sent for Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the priest out to the Reuben, to the children of God, and to half the tribe of Manasseh into the land of Gilead. 
And with them, ten rulers, one ruler each from the chief house of every tribe of Israel and each one to the head of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel. Now, let me just put context. I mean, we know it very well. Now, they have fought, they have got rest. And uh, remember, uh, God told, Moses told uh, the half the children of Manas, I mean, the Gad and, and, uh, and, uh, and Dan, uh, sorry, uh, Reuben, Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh, if you don't go with your brother onto the other side, you will be guilty of sin and your sin will find you out. They said, okay, fine, we'll go, we'll fight the war, we'll come back. Now the war is over, fighting is over, the promised land has been possessed, and now they're going back. Now even as they're going back, just before they cross the Jordan, what they do is they build a big altar. Now this news comes to the rulers. They say, you know what? The children of Israel, this, especially these Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, they built an altar there, very impressive. And then they said, what is going on over here? Let us go and go for war. But before we go for war, let us find out what is going on. So they sent Phineas. Okay. Then they came to the children, verse 15, then they came to the children of Israel, Reuben, to the children of Gad and to the half the tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them saying, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord. What treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel to turn away his this day from following the Lord in that you have built for yourselves an altar that you might rebel this day against the Lord? Is the iniquity of pure? Ah! What was the iniquity of pure? Remember, the Midianites came and they danced. Not enough for us from which we are not cleansed till this day. Although there was a plague in the congregation of Israel, of the Lord. But that you must turn away this day from following the Lord. And it shall be, if you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over the over the land of the possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands. Now he said, this is very interesting. Look at this, my dear brothers and sisters. Now you fought the land, you fought for the possessions, you wanted to go back. And Phineas is saying, if you think that you want to have a position over here, who is stopping you? Why do you want to go away? Oh no, they give an explanation. We said, oh no, lest you forget that we are your, your brothers and lest we, you stop us from coming in and following. Okay, if you think that we as brothers will be hindrance to you, why don't you come onto this side? Why don't you stay with us? Why don't you want to, why do you want to go back? And next verse, verse 20. Did not Achan the son of Zerah commit a trespass in the accursed thing and the wrath of God fell upon on the congregation of Israel and that man did not perish alone in his iniquity? Verse 21. Then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh answered and said to the heads of the divisions of Israel, the Lord, the God of gods, the Lord of God, the Lord God of gods, he knows and let all Israel know if it is in apostasy or if in treachery of, against God, against the Lord, do not save us this day. If So they are trying to give a justification. Now the problem is not, their, their intentions could be absolutely right. But the point is this, if you really, really, really want to enjoy and to be close to the tabernacle of God, why don't you stay here? Who's stopping you? Now you have tasted the promised land, right? You saw it as beautiful, right? You still want to go back? 
Now, what is the danger of this? What is the danger? What is the danger of going away from the promised land? 1 Samuel chapter 13. You have to compare scripture with scripture all the time, right? 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verses 4 onwards. Now all Israel heard it said, now this is actually Jonathan attacks the garrison of the Philistines and Saul blows the trumpet. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked the garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines and the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Next verse. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen and people as sand which is on the seashore and they came and encamped in Michmash to the east of Bethaven. When the children of Israel saw that they were in danger, see that everybody? When the children or the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. Where are they in the And verse 7. And let's read it together. Some of the Hebrews <laughs> crossed over Jordan huh, into the land of God. Look at this. War is where? In the promised land. It is not in your land. The moment pressure has increased in the promised land, A lot of people are like that. They make safe havens for people to come onto their side. But they will never be loyal to God. That's how apostasy happens. Don't fall away, brothers. Don't run away when pressure comes. Stick with God. You see, What is falling away? You have made a covenant with God. What kind of a covenant? In riches or in poverty? In sickness or in health? In good times? Bad times? Forsaking what? All others have made myself loyal to you. And just because bad times come, will not run away from you. I will stick to you no matter what. You see, it is not during the good times. It is during the bad times your loyalties are tested. You know, it's a very interesting poem in Telugu. For those of you who do not know Telugu, I'll just read it, I'll tell it, and then you'll, I'll interpret it for you. He says, <laughs> Apu is looking at me, what do I want to say? <laughs> yeah, okay, we are back. Okay, it says, 
ఆపదైన వేళ నరిసి మంధుల చూడు ఆపదైన వేళ నరిసి మంధుల చూడు భయము వేళ చూడు బంటుతనము పేద వేళ చూడు పెండ్లాము గుణము విశ్వదాభిరామ వినరవే వేమన వాజ్ బిగ్ ఫిలాసఫర్ ఓన్లీ ఆపదైన వేళ నరిసి బంధుల చూడు మీనింగ్ యు విల్ నో ద ట్రూ రిలేటివ్ వెన్ యుఆర్ ఇన్ రియల్ ట్రబుల్ భయము వేళ చూడు బంటుతనము ట్రూ ఫ్రెండ్ ఇస్ నోన్ ఇన్ అడ్వర్సిటీ పేద వేళ చూడు పెండ్లాను గుణము మీనింగ్ యు విల్ నో వెదర్ యువర్ వైఫ్ ఇస్ రియలీ లాయల్ టు యువర్ నాట్ వెన్ యుఆర్ ఇన్ పావర్టీ వాట్ ఆ ఫిలాసఫర్ ఇన్ పావర్టీ what will what will happen when our good times that is the reason why wherever wherever there is a will there is there are relatives wherever there is a will <laughs> there are relatives you see apostasy happens my dear brothers and sisters when you have trouble times and pressure comes and you want to give up on god and what does god do he takes us through testing after testing and you know what there was one guy who would never give up on god i have i have known the secret of how to live in abundance how to live in poverty in all things i have known how to be content i can do all things through christ who strengthens me poverty can anything separate me from the love of christ can tribulation can can fam famine can nakedness can peril can destruction can sword separate me from the love of christ that's what we are having famine we've got pestilence we've destruction is so many things are happening and he says he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not with him freely give me all things so should i give up on him and should i run away from him I'll stick to him. You know something? Trust and friendships are strengthened. Relationships are strengthened during times of intense difficulties. And you stick together. You fight together. See, our relationship with our brothers is a reflection of our relationship with our, with our God. He'll give up on God whenever good times. That's the reason why, you know what? Job is a fantastic example. Should we accept only good from God and not what? evil how 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 long will you hold fast to your integrity curse god and die that's your, that's what peda vela chodu pendlamu gunamu you will know the real nature of your spouse husband or wife when you go through trial and tribulation Will you give up on God and fall away? And apostatize? The question is, should we divorce our wife for any reason? What nonsense? No reason. No reason. You don't give up on God for any reason. That is the reason why we have to make a covenant with God. God made a covenant with us. Did we make a covenant with God? Psalm 50. 
one of my favorite psalms. I keep referring to it all the time. I'll tell you the verse. Just give me a minute. Psalm 5-0. One minute, Psalm. Psalm 5-0. And verse... Uh, verse... Yeah. Verse 3 onwards. Thank you, Sam. Our, our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him and it shall be very tempestuous. Oh, verse 5, yes. Oh, oh, sorry, verse, verse, verse. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Verse 5. Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by... You see, it is impossible to make a covenant without, with God without sacrifice. Now, so many years back, pastor says, you know, one covenant I have made. Even if you slay me, I will still worship you. I will still serve you. I have made a covenant. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no matter what. The good times and the bad. Trouble times are ahead. Famine is going to be coming. Will we give up on God? So what is the Lord calling us to this morning? He's calling us to surrender. Let's stop here. He's calling us to surrender. Surrender. Let's go to First Thessalonians chapter, Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses one to four. Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses one to four. Now, brothers, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter. As if from Christ, from us, as though the day of Christ has already come. Next verse. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the son of man is revealed. The man of lawlessness is revealed. The man of perdition or the son of perdition. Who opposes and exalts himself all against all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself as God. That word, as God, as God. What is it? He's an he's a absolute rebel. And you know when, when is this coming? When the, when lawlessness, the son of lawlessness has been revealed. Son of lawlessness. Matthew chapter 12, 24, verse 12. 11, 12, 11, and, 11 and 12. Matthew chapter 24, verse 11 and 12. Last verse. Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Will wax cold. Means what? Heart gets harder and harder and harder. And what will happen? There will be a lot of religion, but no love. Verse 13. But he who endures 
to the end shall be what is enduring in what endure in what endure in love and he will guard his heart and keep it sensitive until the end until the end and therefore second thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5 once again for the 250th time in all our services we looked at it now may the lord direct your hearts hallelujah <laughs> to what to the what to the love of god and to the patient steadfastness endurance which is in christ let not your love grow cold when bad times come don't run away when good times it's not that's the reason why jesus said uh, like pastor said now there are three kinds of dance one is the dance of salome the dance of the flesh then there's a dance of miriam the dance of the soul when the good times come and you know what happens when god immediately takes them for a three day three day journey without water why did you bring us out to kill us no food why did you bring us out to kill us out of hunger all the time there was only one guy he said you know what food or no food i love you lord not going to change food or no food i love you god if you want to st- kill me starving thank god god is not going to do that i have been old and i have been young but i have never seen the righteous i'm sorry i have been young and i have been old i have never seen the righteous forsaken not his children begging bread but our bread our we are not even concerned about bread that's the point whether god feeds us or not feed us, feeds us is not going to separate us from the love of god he still loves us because this is not the ultimate our heavenly abode is there i think we will eat i think there also we will eat different kinds of food i think we will eat some fantastic food um, that time our appetites and our taste buds will be will have different dimensionalities we will be able to enjoy different kinds of food but the kingdom of god is not eating and drinking it is what righteousness peace and joy may the lord direct your hearts into the love of god and to the patience of christ let's pray father we just thank you we praise you we worship you let us not forsake you father in the good times and in the bad enable us lord father to deposit sufficient of your word and of your spirit into ourselves during the good times so that that word and that spirit will sustain us during the times of famine so that even during the times of famine will be givers because we have sufficient of the sustenance of god because we have a relationship with you a continuing ongoing relationships tested through trial and through difficulty we thank you we praise you for in jesus name amen may the lord bless you